Blog Talk Radio. You have tuned in to the Sports Docket with Ace Man and the Cross. The best sports radio show on Blog Talk Radio. Tonight is a simulcast with Yankee fans Mark Elliott, Evan Brandoff from Sports Heaven as we set you up for Game 2 of the Sunday night, you know, sports talk is turning back to its usual time. Hi, everybody. I'm Ethan Quaston. Uh, currently, your only co-host for tonight. Co-host back in Great Eight Man. They joined me momentarily on our program. Which, of course, I'd love to get into that investigation. Folks, we've got some nice things. We've got a lot of work we've got the NFL and the NBA. Uh, we've got a cup coming up. And, um... Well, um, about one minute from now, we will be joined in with the simulcast uh, with Mark and Evan. Again, we are on back on Sunday nights. Uh, Seven Train to Shea is not joining us tonight. Um, they had an earlier program. They couldn't make it for tonight's program. They had an earlier program at 3 o'clock. So we will be um, on at that time. And we're going to be calling in to the uh, Sports Heaven right now. So we're joined into the simulcast. Love Talk Radio. Confusing. And, uh, Quas is on the phone with us right now, and Quas, how you doing? I'm doing very good, guys. I mean, I'm uh, still pumped up after that uh, 7-4 win yesterday, and I'm ready to bust out the brooms tonight. Well, I don't know if we'll be seeing any brooms, uh, but uh, it's Chinming Wong versus Oliver Perez. The game is in 57 minutes from now, give or take, and... Uh, should be a good matchup, and the whole world will be able to see it on ESPN. Definitely. And the weather, of course, uh, was raining on and off today. Hopefully, uh, I imagine they'll get this one in. It wasn't as bad as Friday night. So I don't think the weather should be an issue in getting in game two tonight. Um, and I'm surprised that actually the Mets have stuck with Oliver Perez. I thought they would have skipped him and gone to John Main. But after Oliver Perez's last start against the Reds, where he shut Cincinnati out for five innings, I mean, he did have that one bad six, but he was pretty dominant for five innings plus. So um, I think the Mets made the right decision, not to mention that Perez is 3-1 and one in his career against the Yankees. So I think uh, Randolph wanted the matchups tonight. And I think he made a smart decision in putting uh, Perez against Chin Ming Wong. Of course, Wong coming off that loss, his first loss of, of 2008. Yeah, he wasn't going to go undefeated. He's going he's going to lose the game eventually. So I'm still not worried about Chinming Wong. Wow, Evans getting pretty early. I don't think Quas was uh, implying a little bit of an argument there after saying the loss. But Evan feistiness, saying he's not going to go undefeated, that is correct. And uh, I wasn't trying to be I wasn't trying to be feisty. Uh, I was just making a point. Uh, his ERA is still at 2.9. So. Uh, it, it should be a pretty good pitching matchup. Oliver Perez, 3-3 uh, three and three with a 4.6 ERA. So that is the pitching matchup for tonight. You know, I don't see why, um, uh, you know, Chiming Wong can't undefeated after, especially uh, last season. I mean, right now, Brandon Webb is 9-0. and 
for the Arizona Diamondbacks. So, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously Wong is not Brandon Webb, but he's pretty good. I, I, and I might, I expect him to know to, you know, maybe even go undefeated, but I guess not. But uh, again, anybody wants to call into our program, you can call uh, Sports Heaven at one seven one eight five zero eight nine four four three. You can call the Sports Docket. Myself so far, maybe uh, Ackerman later on, at uh, one six four six four seven eight five one one eight. All right. Now, before we get into a real, real detailed preview, of course, we went over the pitching matchup. So let's go over yesterday's game where the Mets won, as you mentioned. And um, we're going to go inning by inning. I'll take uh, Evan and I here. Of course, we'll take it from the Yankees' perspective, what was going through our heads uh, after each inning. And then you'll take the Mets' uh, perspective there and tell us what was going through your head. So let's start with the, the top half of the first inning. Andy Pettit on the mound. And he looked sharp. Of course, David Wright got that single, but he struck out the side. He struck out Reyes swinging. He struck out uh, Church on a foul tip into the glove. And uh, uh, it was a vintage. struck out. It was a vintage Andy Pettit start. I mean, uh, Andy Pettit always seems to start out um, his starts pretty well. He always uh, comes out um, throwing hard. So, I mean, I, I didn't expect the Mets to. I, I didn't expect the Mets to tee off Pettit. Uh, that early in the game. Again, I mean, we'll talk about the fourth inning when the Mets uh, managed to force Pettit to throw 41 pitches in the inning, and they scored uh, the three runs off him. But uh, in the first inning, Pettit looked very sharp. How about the bottom of the first? Okay. On the board. Yeah, bottom of the first, you had a Damon Walker, Bray struck out, and then a very rare two-run home run for Derek Jeter. We're used to seeing Jeter, you know, some line drive home runs, don't really get over the wall. A lot of opposite field home runs. Of course, uh, just talking generally, that was only his second home run of the season. But Jeter hit a monstrous shot, and he pulled it down the line. You do not see Jeter pull it like he did down the line like that, and it was an unbelievable home run. I was very surprised with Derek Jeter in that home run. I mean, that is rare for him. It wasn't a classic Yankee Stadium home run, that's for sure. I mean, it was, I mean, you see home runs down the porch. That was not. Uh, that would not be classified as that. But I think the strategy by Joe Girardi in putting Jeter in the three-hole really paid off. I mean, uh, when Jeter is turning to like an A-rod in that game, the three for four, the two RBIs. No, Jeter was definitely a number three hitter, uh, even though the Yankees did lose 7-4. Uh, he had a quality game, no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, I still don't understand why he put him in the three spot, though. That was actually the second game in a row that he did that. Kind of something new that Joe Girardi's trying out. And, you know, I don't really mind it. I kind of like it. Well, you, put, you put a batter with with no power into the three spot and just expect him to start batting with power? I don't, I don't get it. I mean, I mean, even though Gio doesn't have power, he does have pop in his bat, of course. I mean, he has the highest batting average of the Yankees. Even Matsui's been really scuffling. He's down to 306. Jeter has the highest batting average on the Yankees. So, and also he's the, he's a clutch hitter. I mean, and Jeter is uh, is one of the best hitters in his career against the Mets. I think he has uh, for a player with 150 plate appearances. I remember hearing that Jeter has the highest batting average against the Mets. So I mean, also the matchups are definitely a big part of that. And I think Jeter's also teed off well against Santana. So I mean, I don't see anything wrong with uh, Jawari putting Jeter in the three hole. It definitely paid off. Yeah. I, I, I definitely didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, there's no, there's no big difference from any of the Yankee uh, dominant bats right now in the order when A-Rod and Posada aren't in the lineup. So whether it's Abreu or Jeter, there's no real big difference. But I was just surprised why why the change was made. And I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised that he did. I just I wasn't expecting it. You mean like uh, the flip flopping of Abreu and Jeter in the lineup? I mean Abreu. It's done pretty well in the two hole. I mean, that, that's a little. Um, that was. I, I thought that was a weird move. Why? Why was he batting Abreu second as opposed to like fourth or fifth? But uh, but Jeter, I, I think that definitely that move was uh, paid off the last two games. It, it'd be interesting to see tonight if if that's still the case uh, for Jeter in that three hole. And of course, when A Rod comes back on Tuesday off the DL, I mean, Jeter's going to be automatically moved up back to two or even one in the order. So. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's probably just part of Jawadi's uh, juggling in the lineup for right now. Uh, yeah, I don't think I don't think Jeter's going to move to number one. I mean, uh, of course, you have Johnny Damon there. Well, yeah. Well, I meant two, second in the order. 
But if they had him at fourth, why why is Jeter necessarily going to move back to second? It wouldn't affect Jeter or Abreu. Uh, well, I think he would move Jeter back to second um, because you're moving Abreu down. A-Run normally bats fourth, doesn't he? Exactly. That wouldn't really affect where Jeter stands in the lineup. I guess, but but, but then again, I mean, then you have to look at the bottom of the lineup. Then let's say you bring A-Rod back and and hit him fourth behind Jeter. Then Giambi gets pushed back to sixth or seventh. I mean, you don't want Giambi batting that low in the order. I mean, he's not having a Carlos Delgado season. Either uh, class, but either way, the Giambi's going to be pushed back, and Jeter, whether he's second or third, is it's just going to be whatever Abreu and him decide, whatever Girardi decides them to bat. It's not really going to where Jeter bats has nothing to do with Giambi. I guess, but I mean, I don't think I don't think the Yankees want to bat Giambi that low. I mean. Especially if they have Cano hitting ahead of him. I mean, the Yankees want Giamma to get as much uh, chances at runners in scoring position. And the way he gets that type of chance is the opportunity is if he's batting fifth or sixth, not batting like seventh or eighth in the order. So, I mean, I I see what you're you're saying, Evan, but I think uh, when A-Rod comes back, I think I can see Girardi putting Jeter back in the two hole. Can you just explain to me, please, why putting Jeter in the two-hole has anything to do with Giambi moving? Because when you put Jeter in the two-hole, you move Abreu down, right? No, you... Uh, all right. Abreu and uh, Jeter, uh, no matter what, are going to be the two three-hitters, correct? Yes. So what does that have to do with... Uh, if you put Jeter in the two-hole, that means Abreu becomes three and a becomes four. Or if Jeter stays in the three-hole. Are you listening? If that Tui behind Giambi, that would be stupid. Right? Okay. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> let's, let's, let's continue with the breakdown of the inning-by-inning before we get into a, you know, a whole battle over where Jeter should bet. So let's continue with the uh, the bottom half of the first inning. After the Jeter two-run, the rare Jeter two-run home run, that Tui grounded out. And Giambi fouled out that end of the inning. And now we move to the top half of the second. And Andy Pettit came back out after a strong first inning. A loose single to left. Then he got Delgado to strike out swinging, easily to strike out swinging. And for any fans who didn't see the game, if you're seeing uh, some kind of a trend, his first five outs, they were all strikeouts. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, he started off really strong. Andy Pettit was on his game early on. I mean, he, uh, he finished with seven strikeouts, but... The bulk of them came in the first two innings. Yeah, Andy Pettit was definitely a dominant going on. Then we saw his age show uh, as he went towards the third and the and the fourth inning. But again, uh, yeah, and that, yeah, but I, but I, after the go ahead. No, I was just saying that uh, you know the Mets they got him in the third inning and then uh, Pettit was gone by the sixth. So. And then, of course, the Mets got to face Kyle Farnsworth, and who doesn't like to tee off Farnsworth? So we'll get to it later on. But again, uh, Pettit, you know what? Uh, Pettit's had some of those. He's had a tale of two seasons. I mean, even such his young season, he's had these starts where he starts out um, really throwing the ball hard and striking a lot of hitters, and then and then he ends the starts, you know, uh, where he's on a losing side. So again, I don't know. But what I. What I didn't notice was Pettit, which was kind of weird. I mean, he I believe he pitched around 110 pitches yesterday. I mean, he, he really went out. He didn't end up doing that badly. But um, he, he, he started the game throwing fastballs at 89 miles per hour. And I saw, he I think, his 101st pitch came to Carlos Delgado. He threw another fastball. His 101st pitch and his first pitch both were 89 miles per hour. So, I mean, he did not lose velocity despite throwing all those pitches. And uh, but the big part of the game, of course, when you have the radar gun, Santana significantly higher on the radar gun than Andy Pettit. Uh, he, I mean, Santana only had five strikeouts, which is very low for him. But uh, Santana really got that that curveball um, in the high ni- in the low 90s, uh, going towards the leader. And now finishing out that second inning after the Delgado and easily strikeout, uh, they call it a loose feeling. And that was the third out, and that brought it to the bottom half of the second, and the Yankees were still leading 2 nothing at that time. Robinson Cano led off the inning, and uh, he's been hitting better as of late. 
but he did ground out to second. Uh, Santana then, go ahead. Talked about Moises and Lou getting thrown out, uh, what's that, getting thrown out second base by Andy Pettis, but Chad Moeller behind the plate, he was, he had his, his day cut out for him. I mean, he had uh, the two stolen bases by um, David Wright and Carlos Felton. Chad Moeller had a, a pretty a pretty busy day behind the plate, and he looked a little bit, I mean, he looked a little slow-footed behind the plate. I and mean, not to say that Posada is the best defensive catcher the Yankees have had either, but, I mean, Chad Moeller, I mean, he, he wasn't prepared for the Mets' uh, the Mets' speed. Well, I, you know, I personally don't mind Chad Muller that much. He's not that bad, and he, he's shown that he can hit the ball as well. I mean, he went 0 for 3 yesterday, but Chad Muller has proven to be a, a decent replacement while Posada is out. Definitely. Um, so let's get over. I guess we're going to the – so what happened in the bottom of the second? The, the bottom of the second, it was the Cano ground out, and uh, Santana walked Melky Cabrera. And then Alberto Gonzalez grounded out to third. Cabrera was able to move over to second, but the inning ended when Chad Muller struck out swinging. And uh, so that was a pretty easy, quick that, inning for Johan Santana. Second strikeout or first strikeout? That was, let's see, that was his second strikeout. Second strikeout. Now we go on top of the third, and still nothing cooking for the Mets. Right, top of the third, you had Schneider with a grounded out uh, right in front of home plate. Chad Muller made the play. Andy Pettit had actually given up on that play almost immediately. Chad Muller was almost more than halfway towards the pitcher's mound, and he turned and made a very good throw to first, uh, and that got Schneider out. Then Luis Castillo grounded out to Jeter, and Andy Pettit got the 1-2-3 inning with Jose Reyes then flying out to center. And then the bottom of the so, no. Santana had a 1-2-3 inning. Uh, that is not correct. Uh, in the bottom of the third, Damon started off the inning with a single to left. Then Bobby Abreu doubled to right center field. Ryan Church cut it off. Damon tried to score, and Brian Schneider had a great uh, block at home plate. And even though Damon beat the, th- even though Damon beat the throw, Schneider's foot was right in front of home plate, and uh, Damon's foot never touched it, and he was called out. Great. Damon was thrown out on the bottom of the third, not the bottom of the fourth, right? Right. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 oh, so Damon was thrown out at home. Yes, that was that was that, and, was, uh, that was actually the, that, that they said that was the momentum change of the game, and I and I agree. Uh, the announcers were saying that because then the Mets would come right back on the fourth, and they pounded Pettit for three runs. And then after, uh, you know, now you have a brace. Standing on second, Damon was thrown out at home. Jeter lined out to right field uh, for the second out. And then Hideki Matsui ended the inning with a ground out to first base. So Abreu was stranded at second, and the Yankees did not come up with any runs. Now we're going to go to the top of the fourth. And we saw Andy Pettit. I mean, he had five strikeouts at the time, I believe. He was doing really well. Um, he threw 13 pitches in the first inning, 13 pitches in the second inning, 15 pitches in the third inning. And as you mentioned at the top, uh, he threw 41 pitches in the fourth. And here's why. Ryan Church, a check swing, like crappy, with not legitimate single to center field. Uh, I was not happy about that. It was a little bloop check swing single. David Wright followed that up. This was a full swing, but it was another bloop hit to center field. So now you have first and second. Carlos Beltran steps in. Carlos Beltran was the only person in this long 41-pitch, 24-minute fourth inning that had a legitimate hit. Nobody else had a legitimate hit at all. Carlos Beltran single to left, scoring uh, Ryan Church. David Wright moved over to second base. Uh, then he, Andy Pettit, I believe, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind he was pitching around Moise Salou to get to Carlos Delgado. Um, so Moise Salou did walk, but I mean, you, you could almost ago, see that it was on purpose. Five years ago, you never would have seen uh opposing pitcher pitch around Moise Salou to get to Carlos Delgado. But the way Delgado's been swinging the bat the last one and a half seasons, right now, um, anybody doesn't mind pitching to Carlos Delgado. So then what happens when Delgado comes to the plate? Uh, I mean, and Moise Salou has been so clutch despite his age. So, I mean, they pitched around him. And you could tell certainly when he faced Delgado that he was pitching Ronda because he was really challenging Delgado. His pitches were coming in hard. They were right over the plate. Delgado ended up popping it out to Derek Jeter. 
So, you know, you still have one run, and Damian easily struck out. So another strikeout for Andy Pettit. That gave him six on the day. So, you know, still not looking too bad. But then Brian Schneider came up. He walked. This, this is what this is when the bases were loaded. He walked Brian Schneider. So David Wright scored. Beltran was then on third, and Alou was on second. And then after that, Luis Castillo with a little infield single. It was deep in the hole, and Jeter uh, was able to stop it, but uh, couldn't do anything else. So that was an infield single for him. Beltran scored. Alou's on third. Schneider goes to second. And then the inning ended with Jose Reyes popping out to short. So it was a long inning for Andy Pettit. He ended up allowing three runs to give the Mets a 3-2 to two lead in the top half of the fourth inning on four hits. And he did walk in one run. All right, so the Mets have the lead now, but the Yankees try to come back in the bottom of the fourth? The Yankees did try to come back in the bottom of the fourth. And despite... They didn't really feel like coming back. <laughs> well, despite Johan Santana sitting down for 24 minutes, he did not rust at all. He threw six pitches. Giambi lined out to, uh, he almost took off Santana's head, but uh, Santana ducked, took away a single up the middle, and and just snagged it with his gloves, follow, uh, following Giambi. Cano grounded out to shortstop, and then Melky Cabrera also grounded out to shortstop. So that was a one, two, three, six pitch inning for Johan Santana. Yeah, I can just imagine Hank Steinbrenner cringing when he's watching that inning. All right, let's go to the fifth. Uh, the Mets top of the fifth. Top of the fifth. Andy Pettit coming back on the mound. He is now at this point around uh, 80? 75, 80 pitches. So I mean, but he he still stayed in there. Uh, he got Church to fly out to center. Then David Wright grounded out to short. Beltran picked up a, a nice single single in center field. And Moise Salou then was hit by a pitch. So then he had first and second. And then uh, the Bill Trent Did any tempt this player, or was it kind of like, uh, well, obviously it wasn't on purpose. I mean, there was not, no reason to hit Moises Alou. But there, the, there's, no, there's no way it was on purpose. I mean, he, he's down 3-2. to two. He's all up at 80 pitches. I mean, I don't know how you could possibly assume he did that on purpose. Well, yeah, no, I, I said uh, it was on purpose, but, I mean, did any tempt this player in the dugout? There was a rather calm and then uh, Delgado ended the inning with a strikeout swinging, so that ended the top half of the fifth inning. Bottom of the fifth, nothing across to the Yankees. Bottom of the fifth was, again, a six-pitch inning for Johan Santana. Uh, Gonzalez grounded out to short, Chad Moeller flied out to right, and Johnny Damon grounded out to second. So uh, after, the, after Pettit had that rough fourth, Pettit, uh, excuse me, Santana came back through 12 pitches through two innings, and both innings were one, two, three. So not a good job by the Yankees. They were not able to capitalize at all. Then we have to the sixth inning and uh, Pettit's last inning of work before uh, Girardi brings him far post for the seventh. That is correct. Pettit did finish out the sixth. Again, he finished with about 110 pitches. He actually finished with 116 pitches to be exact. Uh, the sixth inning... Where are we now? The top half of the sixth inning, uh, Damien Easley flied out, Brian Schneider flied out to left, and Andy, and then uh, Castillo flied out to center, so it was a 1-2-3-6 for Andy Pettit. Yeah, if you want to break down Andy Pettit's start, uh, or pitch by pitch, I mean, he had 73 of his 116 with thrown for strikes, so I think for Pettit, it wasn't really a control issue, it only walked two batters, but uh, I think for Pettit, the issue was working those long counts, and of course, those little bloops and and those balls getting by uh, the infielders uh, really hurt the Yankees. Well, if you wanted to kind of start that little Yankees-Mets duel right now, it was that fourth inning that really hurt them. And as I said earlier, the Mets only had one legitimate hit in that inning, and it was Carlos Beltran. Uh, Again, Ryan Church started off the inning a check swing bloop single. He was followed up with another bloop single. And Moise Salou was walked. But he had to pitch around in the face of Carlos Beltran. I mean, there, there was... No other choice. He he had to do that. So, I mean, it was a bad inning for Andy Pettit, but, I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular by the New York Mets in any in any way. Not, not to mention the uh, Yankees, usually usually they play well against, uh, well, when they switch around their infield against left-handed batters, against anybody who's not named David Ortiz. So, 
Um, yeah, that is true. I mean, Pettit didn't do, he didn't do that bad. This fight going 116 pitches with, and, you know, he had that fourth inning. Those were the only runs he gave up just that inning. He threw six innings, gave up three runs. He struck out seven. He did walk two. Again, he was pitching around the loop, though. So, I mean, it wasn't really that bad of an outing. And he, and as I said before, uh, his velocity did not change when he was up at 100 pitches. Mm-hmm. His fastball was 89. So, I mean, really not that bad of a day for Pettit at all. It was Farnsworth who really messed it up, and uh, we'll get to that momentarily. Yeah, and then, I yeah. and then we head to the uh, seventh inning now, and before the Yankees fans can even stretch. Well, first we yeah. got to do the bottom half of the sixth. Well, nothing happened. But nothing did happen. It was a 1-2-3 inning again for Santana, but I wanted to bring it up because you know, after after Pettit's bad fourth inning, Santana came back with three one-two-three innings, two of which were only six pitches. And uh, well, it wasn't really a one-two. It was a one-two-three, but Jeter was credited with a hit as he was trying to stretch uh, into a double. He was thrown out. But uh, now we can head to the top half of the seventh, uh, where Pettit's day ended. It was Kyle Farnsworth who started it out. And, of course, typical Kyle Farnsworth, despite pitching well as of late, Reyes leads off the inning with a home run to right. And, you know, as a Yankee fan, you've got to be like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, you take Andy Pettit out, that, he, gets, he gets up the three runs. That was, a, that was a Yankee fan. That was a Yankee fan. That was a... It was a Yankee fan. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say I was disagreeing with you. It was a Yankee Stadium home run, and as a Yankee fan, you you just gotta be like, you know, you Andy Pettit had that bad fourth inning. You're down three to two, and then Santana three one two three innings in a row, and then Kyle Farnsworth comes out and gives up a leadoff home run to Jose Reyes. I mean that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And then following that, he he walks Ryan Church, then gives up a two run home run to David Wright. And I mean, a Yankee fan, you're sitting there going, "What are you? What's going on?" I mean, you're completely blowing away the game. And I mean, Kyle Farnsworth, that that is typical crappy bullpen right there. And I do not want to see Kyle Farnsworth in in a game for a very long time. And Evan, we have not heard from you in a little while. How about uh, giving us some of your thoughts on what's been going on in the game yesterday? All right. Well, so far in the game, the Really, the key is the top of the fourth inning when the Mets really were able to get those four runs off of those dinky hits. I don't even know if I can call them dinky hits, just the dinky ball-touching bats. <laughs> All right, but, uh, uh, of course, the, the Yankees got to see who they passed up on. Yohan Santana really pitched well. He had a little bit of a struggle in the in the bottom of the first. Then he, he really was a dominant pitcher, having eight-pitch innings. It was just uh, it, he he shut down the Yankees for a good majority of the game, and then Farnsworth doing what he does best, sucking. And the Yankees really need to find a new bullpen pitcher. They're in trouble. They they really are in trouble. I mean, even if their starters turn out well, you can't just rely on the Jabba Chamberlain, who has proven to be human, and Mariano Rivera, who also let up a run this week for the first time of the season. You can't just rely on them every single night, and lately they haven't even been able to get to them to close out the game because not even the starting pitching has been doing well. I trust about two out of the five starting pitchers. Not to so, mention that uh, Yankee fans now know that Jabba Chamberlain is not human and that he does have faults. And uh, like, Jabba Chamberlain, Chamberlain now uh, is human. What? It is human. Well, it's we human. now know that it's human. Yeah, like, like I just said, because he let up that three-run home run, and he, he uh, I think he's one and two actually on the season. He actually has a losing record, so he is human, and unfortunately, the Yankees cannot afford a human pitcher right now. Out of the past. right now, right now they need a robot, and unfortunately, we do not have any robots playing for the New York Yankees. But you have a robot. Mm-hmm. I just said you have a robot playing for the Mets right now. I mean, Billy Wagner. Wags has been just unbelievable this season. I mean, he got his ninth save, of course, uh, um, to close out the ninth inning. Randolph, for the first time this season, called on Wagner for that four-out save, um, and he, he did a great job with it. 
uh, coming on for Santana with uh, one out in the eighth inning, and with two outs in the eighth. And uh, you know what? I mean, Wagner only gave up two hits. Uh, has in uh, we're sitting here on the 18th of May, and Billy Wagner still has not allowed not allowed an unearned run this whole season. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Not an unearned run. And he had not allowed a single earned run this season. Oh, I thought he said an unearned. unearned runs. He's not allowed a single earned run this season. Uh, the nine saves, I think 28 innings or so, not a single run against his record. So that's just... Yeah, Wagner Wagner's Wagner been has been... Yeah, he's been very good. Definitely. Um, so let's, 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 get, let's finish that this. seventh inning. I mean, the Mets, they tackle... Let's finish that seventh inning. So you had that right two-run home run after Church walked. Beltran and Pacquiao. You got to admit that home run was a, a beauty. It, that is correct. And then uh, you had Beltran pop out the second, and Lou grounded out the third, and then Carlos Delgado. Of course, once he's going to get his first hit of the game and actually do something useful in the seventh inning versus Kyle Farnsworth, he did single, but it didn't lead to anything. As Damian easily ended the inning uh, with a strikeout swinging. So uh, that was Kyle Farnsworth for you, and that pretty much blew the game wide open and almost sealed the deal for the New York Mets. Uh, that was then a 6-2 to two lead for the Mets. So then, now we move to the bottom half of the seventh, and finally, you know, Santana's still in the game, but the Yankees do show some type of comeback. Giambi leads off with a home run to right field, um, which is not the Giambino, uh, not anything rare. But Robinson Cano, who did not have a good game at all, and struck out looking. Melky Cabrera grounded out to Reyes. I don't know if you guys saw what? this story um, in, the, in the Daily News the other day, but uh, apparently uh, Giambi has a, a secret lucky charm that he uses uh, to get out of hitting slumps. You probably saw it, didn't you? Uh, he has. Actually, Evan is the one who brought it up to me. And Evan, what do you got? Yes, he likes to wear women's underwear for luck. He has a gold song that he keeps in his locker. Whenever he needs to get out of a slump, he wears his song. And he's not the only Yankee to have worn it. Of course, Jeter and Abreu, uh, Jeter and Damon have tried it as well. So if uh, the Yankees ever bend over and you see some G-string, don't be surprised. <laughs> yes, uh, you know, but I guess it does work. Yeah, I, so, I mean, you can't really argue. 32, uh, remember when Jeter had that just awful slump when he was 0, 0 out of 32, and then he, uh, and Giambi gave him the uh, the, uh, the golden song, and lo and behold, uh, Jeter hit the home run. And then also, to cl- and then the closeout at the bottom of the seventh, uh, Gonzalez slide out to center. Now, Quas, why don't you remind the fans, both listening into your show and our show, we are simulcasting with the sports docket, for those of you we're unaware listening to our show. Uh, we're doing a little bit of a Yankees Mets post game from yesterday. Then we'll have a little, you know, preview. with some fights in between. Then we'll have a preview later on. But Quas, remind the fans how they can kind of jump into the discussion, pick a side, and do that with us. You can call into my program at one six four six four seven eight five one one eight. That's how you contact the Sports Docket. And you want to contact these Yankee fans of Sports Heaven? You call. It's their show at one seven one eight five zero eight nine four four three, and you can get the Yankee perspective side of the story. So again, we're going to about probably about seven fifty five, and then of course you got your uh, Mets and Yankees um, game two of the abbreviated series before uh, the Mets head off to Atlanta, and the Yankees next trip is where. All right, so let's move in now to the top half of the eighth inning. And uh, I'm sorry. No, yeah, top half of the eighth inning. Of course, Kyle Farnsworth taken out after the three runs in the seventh. So who do they bring on? Edouard Ramirez. And uh, he did get the job done in that top half of the eighth. Schneider popped out the second. It wasn't easy. He gave a a hit and a walk, but uh, he was able to get through it. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, he, he got Schneider to pop out the second, then Castillo walked. Uh, then Jose Reyes picked up a single, so you have first and second. And then Church struck out swinging, and Chad Mowers threw out Castillo stealing, so it was a uh, strike him out throw him out double play for the Yankees, and that ended the inning. And again, Chad Mower did a great job. 
And then in the bottom of the eighth inning, Sterling once again gets to say, it is high, it is far, it is gone. That is correct. Santana still on the mound in that eighth inning for at least two of the outs. Home uh, number three for the Yankees. Uh, what happened here is Chad Moeller started out the inning, slide out to left. That was followed up by a demon striking out. And then Bobby Abreu goes yard to dead center field. That ball just kept on carrying and carrying and carrying and uh, went over that center field wall. Jeter then doubled to right, but uh, Matsui left him there after grounding out to second base. So they got one run on two hits. And at this point, of course, the Mets still did lead. Now, prior to going into the top half of the ninth inning and closing out that game, let's take a quick little commercial break. So, Quash, uh, you want to do a docket commercial or a Sports 7 commercial? Uh, let's go Sports 7 style. All right, so let's do a Sports 7 commercial. Uh, it's going to be about three minutes or so. So we'll be back in three minutes. We'll talk about the top half of the ninth. Uh, maybe take your phone calls and do a, do a uh, preview of tonight's game on ESPN. So we'll be right back in about three minutes. Wild Sports from North Mountain having the best sports radio show for you to tune into. We've had you say sports writer Jim Bond back on our show. The baseball season is so long, and then it's long enough where you can play so poorly for, you know, we're not talking about, you know, two weeks here. They were playing poorly for over a month. NHL.com's Evan Grossman has been on our show. We have also had New York Mets beat writer from the New York Post Mark Hale on our show. And of course, we've had New York Rangers radio broadcaster and Fox announcer Kenny Albert on our show. We have even had. NBC Sports anchor Bruce Beck on our show. And now the guy that was the stable guy of Mark Kedemet is gone, Joe Torrey. And now it looks again like there's a big Steinbrenner, you know, who's running the show. And that's Hank, I think. He's the, he's the guy that's got his dad's personality in terms of a little bit of a temper. And who knows what's going to happen here with all these free agents. In addition, we've had Yankees beat writer for MLB.com, Brian Hoke, on our show. You know, if the Yankees faltered like they did in the first half, I could see a real situation where they're in third or even as low as fourth, probably not fourth, but uh, no, I could see a situation where the Yankees finish in third place. And the list just continues on. We have also had New York Mets beat writer from the New York Daily News, Adam Rubin, on our show. And jumping in there, we have also a New York Jets cornerback, Darrell Revis, on our show. So, uh, overall, how satisfied are you that you played your rookie season? Oh, I'm not. I'll be my uncle being my biggest critic, and it's just. I mean, the year has passed, and uh, you know, for me, it's just a lot of good things that uh, when I look back on film, I could have did better. And, uh, you know, now this is my second year to, uh, you know, overcome that and do a lot of work that I just think if I can. You're listening to Sports Heaven with Mark and Evan. It's the best sports radio show the Internet can handle. Okay, welcome back to the Sports Heaven Sports Docket simulcast, talking Yankees and Mets in the Subway Series, uh, reviewing yesterday's game, and later on previewing tonight's game. So, Quas, uh, let's uh, finish out this game. We're ready to start off with the top of the ninth inning. And uh, we start at the top of the ninth inning, and the Mets tack on another run. 
They did tack on another run, but not right away. It was Java Chamberlain who came into the game. Uh, sort of, you would think, a little bit of a sigh of relief. Uh, their Farnworth and Ramirez were, uh, did not do a poor job at all. But, uh, they didn't. Yeah, go ahead. It was a, it was right and grounded out the second, then belt, the Beltran triple to uh, left center field. Then a Lou struck out, and uh, then it was Carlos Delgado who singled to right field, and Beltran was easily able to score from third. Uh, then Marlon Anderson pinch hit for Damian Easley, and uh, he did not get the job done as he struck out swinging. Yep, I mean, so that ended uh... the inning. The guy definitely with a clutch uh, bat against Chamberlain, and you know we've seen Chamberlain fall to a couple of times now, including a blown save opportunity actually, or was it the uh, blown game opportunity against the Devil Rays? And uh, you know what, Carlos Delgado got a very good pitch to hit from Chamberlain, and he didn't waste it, and he uh, drove it into center field to drive in uh, Beltron and uh, and put the Mets um, get an extra run, an extra cushion uh, for Billy Wagner would come on and uh, have a pretty easy ninth inning. That is true. And if we go over that bottom half of the ninth inning, uh, it was Jason Giambi who started off with a single to left. Uh, Robinson Cano followed that up on an infield hit. So now you have first and second, nobody out. The tying run comes up to the plate in Melky Cabrera, but he flied out to right. So now you have first and second, one out. Yankees still trying for that comeback, so Joe Girardi decides to pinch hit Shelly Duncan for Alberto Gonzalez. And uh, Shelly Duncan has not proven to do uh, too well. And uh, Shelly Duncan then fouls out uh, behind home plate. And then Morgan Ensberg pinch hit for Chad Moore. Ensberg struck out, and that ended the game. Billy Wagner picking up the save. And uh, the New York Mets with the victory, 7-4. to four. Uh, And it was really Farnsworth and who uh, really blew that game wide open for the Mets, and Jabba Chamberlain uh, allowed the Mets to add on that one other run. And uh, not one of the best performances out of the bullpen from the New York Yankees. Definitely not. And for those who are just tuning in, uh, you can call, call into the program once again. The number is 1646-478-5118. And you can call Sports 7 at uh, 1718-508-9443. Going to get into now the, uh, of course, uh, starting lineups. Uh, the game is about, what, 18 minutes away from starting on ESPN. Uh, as always, the Mets and Yankees closing out their series. And then uh, they'll have round two with three games at Shea. And I assume the Saturday uh, afternoon, Saturday night, uh, the um, home, and, home and away series, uh, the Mets and Yankees will do that at the two stadiums, Yankee Stadium in the afternoon, and I guess Shea at night. Uh, when they do. All right, so. so let's all right, to, so uh, how about what? Let's get to the lineups here. We'll get to the lineups. I'll do the Yankees lineup. You'll do the Mets lineup. So we'll start with the home team in the Bronx with the Yankees lineup. Leading off, Johnny Damon playing left field, and again Joe Girardi for I believe it's the third great straight game. It's at least the third straight game. Bobby Abreu is in the second slot. Uh, in right field, Derek Jeter follows him up at shortstop, batting third. Matsui's in the cleanup role, DHing tonight. Giambi will play first and bat fifth. Robin Cano, second base. He'll bat seven, uh, excuse me, sixth. Melky Cabrera in center, bat seventh. Alberto Gonzalez, bats eighth and third. And tonight catching is Jose Molina. He'll bat ninth. And for the New York Mets, the uh, visiting team. Uh, pretty much the same lineup except for the flip-flopping uh, Anderson in the left field and Lou at DH. So it would be Jose Reyes leads off at shortstop. Batting number two in the left fielder, Marlon Anderson. At third base, David Wright. Uh, bat third, Carlos Beltran hits cleanup in center field. Ryan Church in right field, bats fifth. Moises Lou will be the designated hitter. He'll bat sixth. Carlos Delgado again in the seventh spot. He'll play first base. Brian Schneider will catch him at eighth, and again, Luis Castillo will bat ninth at second base. So there's your starting lineups, and uh, I guess, I guess, I must admit the Yankees do, I guess you guys have probably admit as well, the Yankees do have the uh, favorite, the favorite in the pitching matchup, but again, you never know, uh, especially with the way Wong's um, last outing went, but again, uh, Oh my, Harris, all right. 
they, he had one bad outing, and it wasn't even that bad. I think he had three earned runs. You can't, you know, Oliver Perez, if you're going to say, you don't know how it's gonna, his heart is going to go because of Tin Ming Wong's last outing, look at uh, Oliver Perez's last five outings, how inconsistent and bad he's been. So No, but again, again, just, Oliver Perez has had uh, four very good career starts against the Yankees. So in limited time against the Yankees, he's done pretty well. I mean, Chin Ming Wong has had, what, only one start in his career versus the Mets. So, well, also keep, in, also keep in mind that, uh, well, by the way, uh, the Yankees last year at this point were also 20-23, and 23, and in that 44th game, Chin Ming Wong got the win over Tim Wakefield. Uh, that was the Red Sox. But keep in mind, Chin Ming Wong is a very good pitcher at home. So, I mean, and he will be home tonight. So that's another thing. And, again, the 2.9 ERA, the 6-1 and one record. I'm going to, I, you know, as you said, I think tonight's game is in favor of the Yankees. Well, it is. But, it is. Um, but again, you never know. I mean, of course, yesterday's game was in favor of the Mets, and they won it. But, again, the Mets have surprised the Yankees in the past. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a Mets win tonight. Again, um, I, it might be a pitcher's duel also, but, again, Oliver Perez is known for having that one bad inning, which usually costs him the game. I mean, that's his signature trademark. Uh, starts out well and then has that, that one awful inning, uh, which usually costs him the opportunity of getting a win. So we'll see what happens. But Wong definitely does have the edge over Perez, no question about that. Definitely a Cy Young candidate in this young season. So, I mean, we'll see what happens when, they, when game time rolls around. But um, yeah. the Mets definitely have the momentum. The Yankees have lost uh, two in a row. I mean, that's not bad, but they've, they've lost uh, – Seven out of the last ten, the Mets um, have played 500 ball the last couple of games. So, again, the Yankees are falling apart here a little bit. So, the Mets uh, yeah, the Yankees have the mental edge, if not the physical edge. In tonight's yeah, game. The Yankees are five and a half games out of first place. They're in dead last. But as I said, I mean, if we go through the, the same points last year, the New York Yankees were 20 and 23 at this point last year, which is exactly where they are now. And we still saw... Uh, saw them make the playoffs, and you also have to keep in mind that right now they're playing without Alex Rodriguez and Jorge Posada, so those are big blows to the lineup. So I think they'll certainly start to step it up. And then, of course, uh, you have the New York Mets. And at this point last year, they're they're 21 and 19 now. At this point last year, they were 26 and 14, so they're actually off to a worse start. And of course, last year the Mets had that huge collapse. So even having a better start last year, they still didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, now they're off to a worse start than last year. So, uh, you know, it's just something that you have to wait and see on. Of course, it's still very early in the season. You can't really predict anything 40 games in. Maybe maybe the Mets are learning from the Yankees to start off a little bit slow, and that usually leads to a successful season. Miss, I can't remember the last time Yankees starting off strong. And the Mets always seem to start off strong, and last year they had to collapse. So... Maybe the Mets are trying a different approach this season. It's certainly a possibility. Of course, the Mets aren't really playing with many injuries right now. But I think the Yankees, when they get A-Rod back, which uh, it should be on Tuesday, and they get the Sada back, they'll certainly be playing much better much better baseball. And, uh, you know, as I said, you can't be too upset. They're in the same boat that they were last year. It's the same exact record, and they still got to the playoffs. So you don't want to worry too much. Also it's incredible guys, to me, Mark. Uh, go on, Go ahead. I was just, just going to say like, it's kind of unrelated to the whole Subway Series thing, but I, I mean, what are you guys' thoughts about A-Rod taping a video message uh, for Manny Ramirez after he hits number 500? Uh, you guys pay to that? Think, uh, I didn't, but no, is it going to be a good message? Uh, well, basically, basically what, what A-Rod was saying in the, in the video a message. Uh, he said, I'm going to get booed, so all I want to say is congratulations and many more, Manny. That's all he said. So he basically wasn't, he didn't want to say too much to, uh, obviously the Red Sox fans are going to boo him, uh, but uh, he just wanted to say enough to give Manny his props for reaching the 500 home run mark. Of course, Aaron himself is only two home runs away from 500. Uh, yeah, they, uh, they're, even though it seems like the Red Sox and the Yankees have the biggest rivalry in sports and all that, they're still, they still talk. 
behind the behind enemy lines, there's, I'm sure there's still friends going on. Uh, I'm sure Dave uh, still talks to Well, rivalries are really caused more by the fans, in my opinion, than they are by the players. Yeah, uh, I'm sure Dave still talks to his old friends. <laughs> and uh, and I'm not surprised that the two superstars on each team talk to each other and send each other video messages. So I, I don't really care in the sense of, oh, I can't believe that he's sending a message to a Red Sox that's horrible. Is that, you know, the rivalries, yeah, it's fun to get into it, but the only reason that the players get into it is because of the fans. If the fans weren't going crazy, the Yankees and the Red Sox wouldn't really be dueling every single time they go out. Is The only reason that they are is because when the fans are booing the other team, and uh, cheering and on, and there's fights going on, and the uh, and the bleacher creatures are going crazy. The, then you get into it, but I'm sure after the game, there's they're talking and hanging out. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me. But what I find weird is we're we're now ten minutes before game time, and the Joe Girardi report just ended. Don't you think he should be with his team? No, no, no. The Joe Girardi report that's not a live show. It's a tape show. Tape. It's, it's not live. Yeah, Joe, the Joe Girardi show is not live. If you listen to the show, I mean, it's clear that it's not Joe. Uh, he, he is with his team. He's is that called the Al Yang Zira Network? What? It's, uh, it's called the Al Yang Zira Network. It's what? The, uh, the Yankees, the infamous Yes Network? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, uh, I don't know, but uh, Joe, that that show is taped. But uh, I want to, I don't want to deviate from the Subway series. Uh, we'll be ending the simulcast soon. Uh, we appreciate all listeners for tuning in. Yeah, but um, but I was saying, you know, Quas, what are your thoughts? Because you know, I was pretty much saying it from my perspective. Are the Yankees are in the same boat as they were last year? The Mets are off to a worse start. What's your whole take on that? Well, I think uh, definitely, I mean, the players, every time the last couple of years that we've had the Subway Series, you know, the players have said that they don't care anymore. It's really all about the fans now. That, you know, the first couple of times it was kind of nice, you know, it was a great experience. But now it's just like any other game. It's like, an, it's like an exhibition game that you play during the season. But, again, when you have both teams, I mean, the Mets and Yankees, you could have said one of the two biggest teams that were struggling in baseball going into this series, especially with their, with their bats. And to see them, uh, and and to see that both teams actually came out and actually scored some runs uh, on Saturday, maybe it's turning the tide for both teams. Because definitely tonight would be a uh, a big measuring stick uh, for the both teams' offenses against uh, Perez and Wong. But I think um, that this this is the first time that we've had a Subway Series where both the Mets and Yankees are really equally struggling and and struggling to find their way to win consistent ball games. I mean, and against bad teams. I mean, Devil Ray, I mean, they definitely improved on pitching, but you can't say that they're a contender. You just you can't say that. They're not a contender. That's I, dis- I 100% disagree with you. When you look at their team, not only are they pitching great, but they're hitting great, too. I, I even said it before the season. I don't know. I remember. Do you remember, Mark, when I said, the Devil Rays, I think that they're going to be good this year, and you and you laughed at me, I think. Well, here's the here's the one problem I have. The Devil Rays don't exist. All right, the Rays. I'm sorry. The the, the Tampa Bay Rays. I said going into the season that they were going to be good, and I think we had that little thing with the Devil Rays too. When I call them the Devil Rays, back, but I don't really understand why they changed their name to the Rays. But anyway, I I knew that they the past few years they've been building their pitching staff. They have Scott Casimir who could be an ace on any team. They have Kazmier, a few other pitchers. It has been Casimir. I mean, Casimir only made three starts. It's been guys like Shields. And Shields. Yeah, yeah. Scott Shields could be another ace on a lot of teams. They've had a, 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 a great young offense. Mm-hmm. And young and up to you know now in this day and age where the home run ball has declined the last two seasons. It's going to be the young teams, the fast teams that are successful. And you see how Houston, they, they, they don't score a lot of runs. They've been winning games. They've been being successful. Oakland, the same, the same boat. I mean, uh, Houston has Lance Berkman, who is just incredible. But this day and age, it's, 
it's the fast teams who can get on base and steal bases and play small ball that wins games, and it's the powerful teams since the since the the league really cut down on steroids and people are stopping to take steroids. The 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 power teams like the Yankees who relies on their home runs, they're struggling a little bit. So it's really the small ball that's going to take over in this league. Yeah, you're. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, you want to have those young guys, and the thing with them is, with being young, I mean, they have fire in them. I mean, they really want to win. They want to get to the top. Uh, they are. I believe they're tied with the rest. I of mean, the they're not just young guys. Delaware's also had you know, Fifth Floyd in that in that dugout. I mean, he's an inspiring player, no question. I mean, Delaware's do have a good mix of players, but I just. I mean, I mean, right now there's seven games over. I just can't see them winning even 85 games, to tell you the truth. Not with that. Well, 85 games can be a contender. When you when you look at the the last couple of years in the National League, I think the teams are under 500 that make the playoffs, or just about the 500 mark. So 85 games won is is a contender. So you saying that you don't see them winning more than 85 games? You're saying that they are a contender. So you're contradicting yourself. Uh, well, I mean, it's tough. It's 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 really tough with the Tampa Bay Rays. Of course, the Yankees will get Rod and Posada back, and then of course the Red Sox are always up there as well. The Red Sox never even lose. So I mean, and then the other wild card teams. If you look at people that could potentially be in the running, I mean, Baltimore's 23 and 20. Oakland's 24 and 21, and then you have other teams right below it that are playing 500. Toronto's at, Toronto, who could be a wild card, they're playing 500. Cleveland, who you always see in the wild card, they're playing 500. So, Evan, you're right. I mean, those that can be a contender because the wild card teams that we usually, you know, see fighting for that spot, they're playing 500 ball right now. So the Tampa Bay Rays could easily be in the spot. In the American League, you never, you, you rarely see a wild card team make the playoffs with. With even 89 wins, I mean, nationally you see all the time you know, teams can make a playoff with even 84, 85 wins. But in the American League, come on, we can't be serious here. I mean, even the, the what, what do you mean? I don't understand. What come on, we can't be serious. It's not going to make the playoffs uh, with 85 wins. It's going to take 89, 90 wins in the in, in American League this day and age. You're talking about a difference of four wins. You're saying they won't make those 85, it'll take 89. That's four wins different. You're saying like it's the biggest difference in the world. Well, it could be. I mean, that could be potentially four games back. And I mean, if you look at a team and you say, oh, they're four games back, you, you'll say, oh my God, that's terrible. So the four the four games can make a big difference. I'll tell you what, if, if I mean, it's, it's been 81 games this year, then they've overachieved. They've overachieved. If they win 81 games, the Devil Rays have, I mean, the, the Rays have far exceeded expectations. Because this team has yeah, not won, here, right? I disagree. This I team has not disagree. won 72 games. They've been around since 1990. They've been around for a decade, and they haven't found any season to win at least 72 games. They're not going to... So what? You're supposed to improve every season. That's why you build a team. You don't build a team to stay the same. Well, they, they've improved, no question about it, but they haven't improved enough to get me thinking that they're going to all of a sudden just jump right into the playoff picture. It's just not going to happen. I mean, then you want it, you right want now, it. they'll fall off by next week. You want to take a call from 7 Train Plus? Yeah, let's take it. Got one minute to go. Oh, hold on, let's close, let's close the show. And then... Hold on, quick, quick phone call. Quick phone call. Seven, what do you get? Hey guys, just want to say go Mets, and uh, hopefully they seek uh, your uh, Yankees, seven. All right. Well, uh, hopefully you're. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I hope not. But the game tonight. Go ahead. I was just going to say, hopefully we can get to the bullpen early because, you know, Farnsworth and Java struggled. Hopefully the Mets have uh, walked through a lot of pitches. That way we get to that struggling Yankee bullpen, hopefully open up the door that way. But uh, thanks for taking my call. And, uh, Let's go back. Guys, uh, keep up the good work. So let's get the sound with that. Let's go back. Yeah, all right. Sorry that we got to cut you off, but, uh, you know, we're rooting for the Yankees here on Sports Heaven. But, uh, Quas, let's end the simulcast. It's been great doing it with you, and uh, we'll speak to you again, I'm sure. All right. See you guys later. Let's go, Beth. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. 
Goodbye. We're going to end off the sports docket right now, a little paralyzer. We'll see everybody on Tuesday night.